Welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 47. We're covering the 2018 CIMB Classic on the PGA Tour and the Sky Sports British Masters on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Previewer at Golf Betting System, and with me we have European Tour expert Paul Williams. Evening, Paul. Evening, Steve. How are you doing? Very good, thank you. Could have done with good, the winner. <laughs> but uh, can't we all? Uh, no. Yeah, exactly. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk. Uh, I'm available at Bamford Golf on Twitter. Paul's handle is at Golf Betting. We're also available on, in terms of outlets for the podcast, Podbean, iTunes, TuneIn for Android, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM and Podtail. We are also now available, as from last week, on YouTube as well. So this podcast is available via the Golf Betting System channel on YouTube. And already had a good listenership on that last week. So, yeah, if you want to listen to this on YouTube, it is now available. Naturally, subscribe, follow the podcast, and spread the word. Um, Also on YouTube, uh, our regular golf betting show, which I present out every Tuesday morning UK time. Um, If you could watch those outputs, those shows, that would be fantastic. We are trying to get... 2,000 subscribers by the end of November when we close down for the winter. So if you could come across, watch the Golf Betting Show on YouTube and help us to get to 2,000 subscribers. All of our content is free and naturally all of these signals, the you know, the uh, the uh, amount of likes and subscribers on YouTube and the ratings that you give us on iTunes all help to keep our content free. Isn't that right, Paul? Absolutely, yes. So, uh, yeah, likes... Reviews. Be nice to get some reviews on uh, iTunes. Actually, we've got uh, a handful, but uh, just twelve uh, on there. Yeah, yeah just four and a half. Let, we're let us know what up. you think, guys. Just let us let us know what you think, and it's, uh, you know we, we we can take a bit of criticism if uh, if need be, but uh, if not, if the stuff that you'd like to see on the uh, podcast or like the stuff you'd like us to to talk through, then uh, by all means leave a comment, and uh, we can consider it accordingly. It tends to be four and a half. Um, the reviews on iTunes when Barry O'Hanrahan's on the show but this week he's gone AWOL uh, and we received a a late WhatsApp message from Barry uh, last night saying that he was actually in Las Vegas now and I'm pretty sure you know that I saw him in that Conor McGregor melee at the end of the fight I think he was in that cage (laughs) I think he was in that cage he said that he wasn't at the fight I'm not sure I believe that yeah, and I, I, it sounds like it was a very late decision for him to uh, to fly over to Vegas. But How so, late can you make it? Yeah. Good luck to him. And good luck to you, Barry, on the tables if you're listening to the podcast. Uh, he'll be listening, don't you worry about it. Good luck to you, Barry, I hope you're enjoying yourself out there. Right, do we want to talk about last week? It was a bit of a non-event really, wasn't it? It was a challenging one. I got a little bit back on, on Hattie, Harrington. Hattie, yeah. um, little bit of a slice of the each way because uh, he finished T7 in the end. Actually, to, I, I, for as much as I was bemoaning his final round because he parred the final nine holes, um, 69 was still one of the best scores out there on the day, bogey-free. Um, you know, he did manage to scrape that uh, each way uh, reduced payout. One more birdie, one more birdie in any of those final nine holes and he gets a, a full full payout which um, was a bit disappointing but I think you have to take whatever you can get in this game don't you so I backed him on the exchange I got nothing back mate mm. and to make matters worse I only went and backed Branch Schnedeker after round three <laughs> it's strange wasn't it he you was know, five Schnedeker. shots ahead at the turn yeah last night not yeah. that I was watching it but he was five sh- I'd, I'd long gone to bed but um, five shots ahead um, and just capitulated well, given the position he was in, given the position that uh, Tyrrell Hatton was in, and I know both of them were were backed and matched very low numbers um, on the exchange yeah. in their respective tournaments, and both of them turned over. It was a, a bit of a surprise, particularly Hatton. Um, you know, given his affinity to that tournament, how well he's closed the tournaments out in the past. You know, going for the three peat, um, mm. and uh, just all. All fell apart, didn't it? In his uh, his final few holes, a big old win that for for Lucas Berrigard as well. Big win. That must be slightly frustrating because you've been all over him all season. Well, Lucas, yeah, I mean, what, what price what, was what, it? Fifties uh, you could get. Oh, um, so fifty to one winners, both sides of the pond. 
Yeah. Twy, Twy was 50s. Yeah, I, I, that, that price on Twy feels too short to me, I think. It was it, short yeah. for the form he had. I'll tell you what though, it does do for that tournament, Paul. You remember I mentioned the Boise Open? Mm. He was a winner there. It's another another rubber stamp on that one then. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's frustrating with Berrigar because, as you say, I've backed him a fair amount and I'd looked at, I looked at him as I always do each week and um, he'd gone three consecutive missed cuts in the Dunhill links prior to uh, to winning yesterday. Uh, and I know with him, he's taken a massive step forward in his career. Um, he had a similar kind of form line at the... Uh, the uh, w, uh, the BMW PGA at Wentworth this year going in he had awful course form and then uh, I think he finished second or third mm. or somewhere in the places anyway he came quite close mm. um, and and clearly he's done it again and you know perhaps the performance he put in yesterday in the conditions you know and I think he would have in his half hearts expected the Hatton to have converted anyway so perhaps in his mind it was going to be kind of a, a second or a third place finish but that was the same with Twado wasn't it I think it's mm. exactly the same scenario. Because I watched the highlights uh, this morning in, on the Safeway. Hmm. And when you're five behind at the turn, and you're, I think he was, he was one over, he's thinking, well, you know, if I, can just, you know, if I can just dig in a little bit, I'll get a very good paycheck, start the season well. And even on 17, the commentators were saying, oh, it kind of keeps him in the hunt. Hmm. There was no real thought process going through the minds that, that um, Snedeker wasn't going to win it, but no. if you think it's he 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 went uh, he bogeyed ten eleven twelve, I think he was he had a wedge into seventeen and hoiked it long and left, and then he he goes and does the cardinal sin sin on eighteen, which that is a birdie every day of the week, but don't hit it on that in that fairway bunker on the right hand side, yeah, and where does he bang it straight in the fairway bunker, yeah. Where head's going at that point, isn't it? You know, it's, uh... Well, I don't know if you remember when he won that Wyndham Championship. I mean, he was he looked um, he was highly stressed then, and it was really pan that when he made that, you know, he hit it out of bounds on eighteen. That handed the victory to Schnedeker, didn't it? Mm. I still yeah. think he's worthy of a look this week. You know, Schnedeker. He's got perfect course form, but he's never played this um, event over in um, the CIMB at this uh, TPC Kuala Lumpur course. But a 33-1, to 1, he, he actually grabs me as being a half-decent price. Yeah, it depends how, how much that takes out of him mentally, I guess. But uh... You've seen him before, though, haven't we? You know, he, uh, he finished second at the Sony Open, lost in a playoff to Fabian Gomez, and then the next tournament goes Torrey Pines, wins. Hmm. And his wins often come off like second, second, win. That kind of stuff. Anyway, I haven't, I haven't tipped him this one, but... Um, well, who should we go with? Should we go with me for a change? Should I go CIMB Classic? Yeah, go for him. Um, I always like this tournament. I find it takes the pain away to a certain extent, doesn't it? Because you wake up and you know what the scores are. <laughs> you know your fate at six o'clock in the morning. So I'll, I'll know my fate on Thursday, catching the train to the British Masters. Mm. I'll be like, Paul, I haven't got anyone better than a 68 position out of a 78-man field. Yeah. You'll be going, don't worry, someone might shoot at 58. There's no cut, Steve, so okay, you're not yeah. <laughs> No cut. <laughs> so, I mean, um, it's quite a... This, is, um, this tournament's been around for a long time now. They played it at um, the Lakes course, I believe it was, but then it moved here in 2013, TPC Kuala Lumpur. Uh, Ryan Moore won. We were on him that week at 33-1. to 1. Mm. Um, It was played from 2010. Ben Crane, I was on him as well, the inaugural one. I actually had a really good record in this. 2010, Ben Crane I had. 2011, I snagged Bovan Pelt, amazingly enough. And then uh, Ryan Moore in 2013. But I haven't snagged any of the recent winners. Pat Perez at 24 under last year. Thomas, 23 under in 2016. 2015, Justin Thomas, 26 under. Um, But we've got a change... um, this season because they've gone and changed the greens yeah so as of November which for me seems quite a late start 10 month renovation of the west course here at TPC Kuala Lumpur uh, the much anticipated makeover will see the returfing of the greens from Sea Isle Supreme Paspillum to Tiff Eagle Bermuda Grass with fairways tee poxes and rough also changing from Seashore Paspillum 
to celebration Bermuda grass. So how that affects the golf course, heaven only knows. All we do know when they tend to put new greens down is it takes at least a year for them to settle down so they won't be as soft and as receptive as the Paspulum ones were. But what we also need to say is they have temperatures here year in, year out of up to 37, 38 degrees in terms of feel-like temperatures Celsius. So there is no way in the world that those greens will not be being absolutely softened and watered as much as possible. Yeah, well, it's always been a soft track hasn't it you know no matter what conditions it's been played in even when um i used to cover it on the european tour um it was always soft and receptive yeah um, and, and clearly that was with the paspalum greens and they've changed um and as you say newly laid greens likely to be a bit firmer um but equally they're gonna have to you know this, these, these are new greens they've got to keep them alive as you say um i expect it will be uh soft i expect they'll be doing everything they can to uh get the greens in the best condition that they can um yeah I, I, whether it is quite as soft as it has been in the past remains to be seen um but uh, it does throw a few question marks of, around the event the the change doesn't it a little bit a little bit um just for listeners um if you're looking for tiff eagle bermuda grass golf courses and one golf course that really does tie in nicely is um, kapalua uh, low scoring Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass, um, also Arnold Palmer Bay Hill. That's Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass. The greens at um, Copperhead, they're a Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass. They're mixed in with Poa Trivialis, but they're um, they're Tiff Eagle. Um, Honda Classic Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass. So there's lots and lot of you know Tiff Eagle is being used a hell of a lot these days, um, mm. especially uh, in Florida. The the uh, Harbour Town now they've got Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass greens. Um, there are a couple I've missed. I believe TPC Sawgrass now is also uh, Bermuda grass Tiff Eagle. So you know if you can find players that putt well on those surfaces, um, go for go for your guns really. Um, it's interesting though. You never quite know how these changes to the greens are, are going to actually work out in terms of the scoring required. Mm. So whether we're going to get down to 24, 25, 26 under this week is up for debate because I think that there's, you know, with all will in the world, I can't see them being quite as receptive as um, as they were 12 months ago or, or even two years ago when when uh, 26 under was was the winning score I mean, that's some seriously low scoring isn't it yeah yeah and, and you put in the preview about some of the changes that they've made over the last few years to make the scoring even deeper so you know some of the scorable holes have been been made even more scorable um, and you know structurally those holes won't have changed it's just the um the actual grass is used um, on the fairways rough and uh, and up to the greens that will, will either make it uh, equally more or less challenging and that will be the uh, that will be the thing that's uh, we won't really find out until the the tournament kicks off but yeah it's, it's still likely to be a um, a low scoring event i think we've got a very imbalanced betting market this week um Quite rightly, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're looking at quality here, um, we're seeing Justin Thomas as a five to one favourite. Now, on the basis that he's, you know, he's won here twice, um, he was a hero for Team USA at the Ryder Cup, and uh, he's playing so consistently at the moment. Um, you know, five to one's a fair price, isn't it? At the end mm. of the day, he's by far the favourite. He could walk away with this. Yeah, yeah, and statistically, on a lot of the stats that we pull together for for our weekly um, stats and the, the predictor, um, he absolutely tops virtually every, every stat. Yeah, um, and I think the the final version of the predictor that you've pushed through um, well, has yeah. him a long way ahead. Which, if you look at it from a points perspective, because what we do, are, you know, we don't mention this nearly enough, Paul, on the podcast. Mm. Our, the, our our predictor models completely free of charge, no subscription. Um, but basically, there's just variables for both PJ Tour and European Tour. So this week, um, you know, resort scoring. So 
what kind of guys have a history of scoring well on 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 web on um, golf courses where 18, 19 under is the minimum requirement from a scoring perspective? I've got a humidity tab on there this week, so you know ha- what kind of players feature when when the conditions are so hot and and ridiculously humid, and it all it all forms this um, statistical model. If you're looking at Justin Thomas, you won't be surprised to hear he's number one. But listen to this score. He's on 2,431 points on my published model. Kevin Nair is second at 1,368. Mm. Yeah, that does put into context the, uh, you know, and, and quite rightly, is the standout favourite for the tournament. Mm. But then I, I kind of have debates from that point. I'm seeing Ryan Moore at 12 to 1. That's a that guy that's won here twice, granted, but he doesn't win nearly enough. Um, Billy Horschel, I'm seeing as low as 12 to 1 this week. There's a little bit of 16s about Billy. Um, that's interesting. Um, if you're looking at red hot form, Billy Horschel, there is no better at the moment, is there? Second at the Tour Championship, third at the BMW Championship, third at the Northern Trust. Mm. Yeah, and we know he holds his form and can uh, can carry that on from, from week to week, but. Uh, he's that's a, a, a low price, isn't it? And yeah. he needs to make a lot of birdies this week um, to to go over the line. So. The golf course itself is tree lined. Um, it's very short, at just to snidge over seven thousand yards for a par seventy two. I mean, in modern parlance, that's there for the taking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the west course, um, and the scoring averages here are just incredible, really. Uh, 2014 or 2015, 47 for 50th in terms of e, of, of difficulty rank, so the third easiest on the tour. 2016, 44 of 50, and last year just a tiny bit firmer. There was no um, pick up, clean, and replace. It was 41st of 51 golf courses on the PGA Tour, so it's not a difficult test. But what we might see, we might see scoring move close to where it was in 2013 and 14, where it was kind of middle of the road. It was 28th out of 43 courses back in 2013. So we might see something of that ilk um, with these new um, Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass greens. But if you look at this, this has got some real trends to it. I mean, listen to these prices. Past five renewals since we've gone to the wraparound season, the average price here is 33 to 1 of the winner. If you look at all of the CIMB classics going back to 2010 with Ben Crane, the average price is 31 to 1. So straight away, that doesn't shout to me 5 to 1 winner. No. Um, Pat Perez last year was 50 to 1. And actually, if you look at Pat Perez's price last year at 50 to 1, bearing in mind that he came into this tournament last year, with form of 16th at the Tour Championship. So he made the Tour Championship, the 16th. Um, he was also 12th at the BMW Championship and 6th at TPC Boston. So he was playing some great golf. He was also eating par fives. I think he was in the top uh, 25 on tour for par five birdie or better. And that kind of trend is something I've really looked into. Um, people that are clearly making hay on par fives. He was 20th for par five birdie or better last year. Um, Justin Thomas, when he won in the CIMB Classic, the second time, uh, the season before was 30th for par five birdie or better. And when he won here, uh, originally, his first ever PGA Tour title, if you remember, back in 2015, he, the previous season, had finished first the par five birdie or better. So that really helps. It helps to unlock unlock those par fives. And a lot of the course changes they made um, have actually helped with the par fives because they used to be quite difficult. Um, the par threes and fours here are scorable, always have been. But the par fives are always a little tricky to unlock. But now all of a sudden, uh, with the changes they made here in 14, especially to the final hole, which basically made it a dead straight uh, hole and a wider landing area, all of a sudden, the par five scoring's got a lot better, and I think that helps in terms of uh, a lot of these power guys that can really get it out there and uh, can can birdie those four opportunities that they've got. Yeah. Um, winning prices, of course. Perez was fifties. Justin Thomas, when he defended, was twenty five to one. He was twenty five to one when he won in twenty fifteen, and Ryan Moore was thirty three to one both times he's won here. 
So that's kind of where I'm at uh, in terms of price. Um, I've just I'm trying to hunt the winner desperately this week. I've only gone for three. Mm. Um, the other thing I did notice around this: all the winners of the CIMB have been ranked between 22nd in the world and 64th in the world, arriving in Kuala Lumpur. And you also get this anniversary scenario. I mean, this is pretty uncanny. If you think about it, Pat Perez won the OHL Classic in 2017. on uh, They were Paspulum Greens at the time. Yeah. He came here to more Paspulum Greens 11 months later and won the CIMB Classic. He's also, of course, done well at the likes of the Bob Hope Classic, where he's won. So, you know, he had a track record of performing well on low-scoring tracks. Mm. Thomas won here in 2015 and 2016. Clearly, in 2016, he, it was a year after he won here previously. He, di- he didn't win in between. And before, prior to that, 2015, his last PGA Tour, uh, his, sorry, his last professional victory had been on the Web.com Tour in September at the Nash, uh, the Nation, I think they call it the National Children's Open. And then you look at Ryan Moore. He won here in 2013. 12 months earlier, he'd won at TPC Summerlin. And he go, comes here again in 2014 and defends. So, you know, there's this weird statistic there that the past five winners have all done something in either September, October or November of the year prior. Yeah, positive biorhythms potentially. Yep, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Um, so you've got the you've got the link with the world ranking. You've got this par five birdie or better scenario, and we've also got this situation of players that can kind of have got these biorhythms. So it's taken me down this track this week. Um, at bigger prices, I was very very interested uh, in a couple of players this week. I think Austin Cook's going to go well at eighty to one. Mm. Um, we know that he's a winner on Bermuda, isn't he? He won the um, the uh, what was the McGladry Classic uh, at Sea Island, yeah. the RSM Classic, and I think yeah. Cook's playing some very nice golf, hitting a lot of greens, and a fantastic putter. And if you actually look at the key statistics here, it's interesting to see that um, the average across Moore, Thomas, and Perez, the last five renewals, the average for putting average or putts per GIR of those five winners, they were fit fourth in the field. It's a putting contest, yeah? Yeah, well, to get to that kind of winning score generally is, isn't it? You've got to have your putting boots on putting to be able to contest. go 23, 24, 26 under. Mm. That's for sure. Perez was 10th last year for putts per GIR. Mm. Um Matsuama and Bradley, great ball, ball strikers can be competitive here. They can play. So you know, we've had Adam Scott, Brandon, Brendan Steele, Keegan Bradley was second last year. He was only 24th for putts per GIR. If he'd have actually putted reasonably well, he'd have beaten yeah. Perez. Hideki yeah. Matsuama is the prime example. So many close calls here. But the trouble with Matsuama, as ever, he can't get into the top 25 when it comes to putts per GIR around here. So yes, ball strikers can feature, but you've got to win this tournament. You've got to putt very, very well, mm. um, and have a track record on on Bermuda grass greens and also greens, um, also tournaments where you can shoot low. So here's where I'm at. I've got one and a half points each way, forty to one, on Cameron Smith. Uh, that is available with Unibet, who are five places a quarter the odds. Um, just for punters, um, amazingly enough, again, Paddy Parrott have gone in this 78-man field, no cut. They've gone seven places each way of 50 odds, mm. which I think Decent. is fairly... Oh, it's fantastic. No one else gets anywhere near that. Smith is interesting. Um, he's finished fifth here twice. 2014 when he wasn't even known. He'd only just started playing professionally that year and had done some Asian tour stuff. Uh, he then came here last year and again and shot um, shot very low uh, in the first round and the final round. I think he shot eight under 64s, topping and tailing, mm. and was fifth. The thing I like about Cameron Smith, um, if you're looking from his world ranking, he's 32nd, so spot on. You're yeah, looking right. at his price... Yeah. That price at forty to one—that's nice, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah. We, we know that Smith is a fantastic putter. Um, you know my eight eight week GIR tracker. Um, he he was terrible at the PGA Championship. But if you take that away, and you look at his performances across the playoffs, he would be in the top seven in my rolling GIR um, tracker for yeah. greens and regulation. Which yeah, for a player with yeah. his short game is unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. And the other thing that I was amazed with, you listen to this: fifth year last year, third at the CJ Cup. He then was fourth at the Australian Open, and he finally grabbed a win at Royal Pines on Tiff Eagle Bermuda Grass, which hosted last year's Australian PGA Championship. Mm. From there on, this year, sixth at Riviera, quarterfinal spot of the World uh, Golf Championship Dell Match Play. Again, Tiff Eagle Bermuda Grass Greens down there in Austin, Texas. Fifth at Augusta, third at Ridgewood, third at TPC Boston. If there's one guy in this field that goes well at this time of year, was a winner in early, uh, late November last year uh, on the European Tour and clearly can play the course and has not won on the PGA Tour on a solo venture because the win he has got on the PGA Tour was down in New Orleans when he teamed up with Jonas Blixt. Mm, so he's never won right, a PGA yeah. Tour event on his own. I just think Smith's in the right spot. I really yeah. do think he's in the right spot. I was a decent player. As you say, he's in the right sweet spot in terms of WGR and, uh, and price for this as well. Um, yeah, it could be a bit of a dark horse, that one. He was second here last year for putts for GIR. Now, I know that that changes because we've moved away from Paspalum, we've moved yeah. to Tiffy, to Bermuda Grass. But he can clearly read the greens and he's clearly comfortable on this golf course. Mm-hmm. He actually said in some interviews he did last year that the hotter, the more humid it is. He just loves playing in Asia yeah, because yeah. it just makes him feel like he's playing, you know, in the temperatures and conditions that he plays with back at home. Yeah, he's just used to it, isn't he? He's a Brisbane lad, so you know it's very, very hot up there on the Gold Coast. Mm. So Cameron Smith was one that jumped out. I actually thought for a guy that had finished third as recently as TPC Boston. And third, as recently as the as Ridgewood, the Northern Trust, so two playoff events with fields of the utmost quality. I thought forty to one was a generous price on the yeah. basis that he's finished fifth here twice. Yeah, yeah, does uh, there's a lot going for that uh, that bet? I must say. I've then plumped for uh, Barry O'Hanrahan's. Um, <laughs> he's just a truther, isn't he, Barry? When it comes to this guy, Gary Woodland. Yeah, well, once Barry hears the uh, pod, he'll be, uh, be flying off to one of those Vegas bookies to, uh, to get his uh, dollars down, I expect. Get his nine to one on Gary Woodland over <laughs> in Las Vegas. <laughs> so, now you probably get a better price over there. Yeah, I've got yeah. a note here from last year, right? And it says three golf courses. It says PGA West, it says Scottsdale, and it says Copperhead. And if you look at the likes of Justin Thomas, Ryan Moore, Pat Perez, they've all got top tens at those three golf courses. Mm. Gary Woodland, second at PJ West. Remember when he lost to Jonathan Vegas? Yeah, yeah. Johnny Vegas. That was when it was... um, What was it? They played over five days, didn't they? And the Bob Hope, yeah. Yeah, back then. He shot 33 under and came second. Mm. Scottsdale well who won there this year uh, oh yeah it was Gary Woodland wasn't it mm. and who who got his first PGA Tour victory at Copperhead mm. Gary Woodland it's all adding up Steve it's crazy though if you think about mm. it and listen to this and Barry's been talking about this and we have noticed this over over recent podcasts um this is Gary, because Gary, clearly, ball, you know, he's one of the best ball strikers on, on tour, yeah? Yep. He hits a lot of fairways, he's as powerful as you like. When, when he goes down to three wood, he can, he can bang it 320 yards and pretty straight, yeah? So he's perfect for this golf course. But he can't putt. He's a very streaky putter, like most high-quality high ball strikers, yeah? Mm. Yep. Right, putts per GIR, last three events, 11th, 16th. 
and last time out at the Tour Championship was ninth for putts per GIR. Yeah, it's, it's good for him. It's very good. And you think to yourself, well, okay, but what does that mean in new parlance? What does that mean in strokes game putting, Steve? Well, he was seventh for strokes game putting at the Tour Championship, and he was 22nd for strokes game putting as recently as the BMW Championship at Aronimink. Oh, sorry, 15th for strokes game putting. And if there's one thing Gary Woodland thrives on, your typical Scott Piercy, typical uh, Ryan Palmer, he thrives on soft golf courses. Mm. He's one of these players that if you tell him a distance and a yardage and he knows he can get the ball to stop and the greens are fairly responsive to a yardage, he's deadly. Price isn't great. But I think the, I think that the um, bookmakers know that he's kind of a he's a he's an identikit for this kind of golf course. Second here in 2013, second here in 2014. Yeah, the credentials are there, aren't they? I couldn't resist, unfortunately. He's 38th in the world golf rankings. Hasn't won since February, and was 11th last season for far, par five birdie or better. So I couldn't resist him. Top though for me, and if I had, if you said to me, Steve, I'll shoot you. Give me one for this week. It would have to be Xander Schauffele. And if you think about it from a biorhythms perspective, yeah, he won the Tour Championship, which was fifty-four weeks ago. Yeah. Came here fifty-two weeks ago, and was. Uh, he shot eight under in the first. Oh, sorry, he shot seven under in the first round, sixty-five. He then shot sixty-seven, sixty-seven, and went off second after fifty-four holes in the same group. Clearly, as Pat Perez. Uh, and he just, I just, I just think he's due a win. He hasn't won now for a year, has he? Which on the PGA Tour for a player of his quality um, seems. Um, seems a long time. Yeah, he's been knocking on the door, hasn't he? Particularly oh. in some of these bigger events, isn't he? He was close at the Tour Championship, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, very close at Aronimink, which was sopping, sopping wet. Softest golf course ever. And he'd only lost out by a shot to um, Justin Rose and Keegan Bradley, who made it into the playoff. Hmm. And clearly, he just he thrived on the golf course last year. He actually played in the same group as Justin Thomas. And they said to him after his first round of 7-under-65, he said, well, what did you do? He said, well, basically copied Justin Thomas and did everything that Justin did. Because <laughs> I, I, he said, I, I figured that what he does around here tactically must work. Well, given that he's got two wins, yeah. It's, uh, it's a fair, yeah, yeah, fair assumption, isn't it? He's a great ball striker, isn't he, Schauffele? And he's putting really well at the moment. Yeah, he's a good player. He he's, just a, he's just a top-quality player. And he's that kind of player that, on Sunday, you'd go... Oh, this, you know, he's finished... Um, his form is fantastic at the moment. If you actually look at what he's done this season, it's incredible, really, the consistency he's had. Second at the Players' Championship, Tiff Eagle, Bermuda Grass. Sixth at the US Open and second at the Open Championship. He was the closest player that got to Francesco, wasn't he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Had a chance to win it, didn't he, early on? And uh, actually recovered well, didn't he, after, after dropping some shots early in, the, uh, early in the final round? I think I counted them up. Six top five finishes this season. Seven top tens. Hasn't won. He's just due a win, and he, the golf rankings right. And if you actually look at his numbers, he's you know 18th this year for par five birdie or better. Mm. So those are my three: Xander, Gary, and Cameron Smith. Yeah, very good. I, one one guy who caught my eye when I was doing, we were talking about Justin Thomas um, topping a lot of these stats, um, but one of the guys from the um, the Asian Tour, and I think is it ten. Um, have come across yeah. or qualified for this from the Asian Tour, courtesy of their positions on the uh, on money list over there. One guy really caught my eye was John Catlin. Yeah, um, he's uh, a Californian guy, so he's an American player over in the um, on the Asian Tour. Um, and I'm, I'm not really. I mean, I don't follow the Asian Tour that extensively. I don't bet on it that much, to be honest. Um, but uh, it caught my eye, um, and uh, just having a little dig into him. And, uh, 
it's uh, showed that he'd won four times in the last 12 months, three of them on the Asian Tour, one of them on the Development Tour before he got to that point. Um, two of the wins were in Malaysia itself, um, and uh, he's coming here fresh off another win last week. Really? And you know, some of these wins aren't... Um, you know, you look at the Asian Tour and go, oh, you know, he's, he's beating very poor players. Well, you know, in July he beats uh, Paul Peterson, who is a European Tour winner. Um, last week he beat uh, Siwon Kim, who came third in the Indian Open earlier in the year in the European Tour. Yes, I know this is PGA Tour. I know there's some top players at the top end of this market. Um, but uh, looking at his stats, his accurate, his greens, his scrambles well, putts well, doesn't seem to be a you know, discernible uh, flaw in his game. Um, as to whether he can step up in any shape or form um, to this kind of level remains to be seen. But uh, you're getting quotes of 200 to 1 um, and above from most of the bookies. Um, he's trading close to 300 at the moment. Um, and uh, you know, get, some of these guys can just... You know, make an impact when they when they step up, particularly when he's going to feel comfortable in the surroundings. He's already got a couple of wins in Malaysia. Um, I'd be interested to see how he goes. So he's clearly hot, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So um, yeah, that one just to keep an eye on. I think um, I'll, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go mad with that particular bet, but uh, it's worth just a a few speculative pounds. I think to see how he gets on. But yeah, I, so. I, I would I would assume that there's going to be a lot of punters out there that that do a very short win double on the likes of Justin Thomas, and one of the guys, Tommy Fleetwood, for example, in the British yeah, Masters, or Justin, or, Rose, or Justin yeah. Rose, or a Frankie Molinari. Yeah, yeah. Well, trying to if you're gonna if you're gonna bet at the top of the British British Masters market, then trying to pick one between those three is going to be the trick, isn't it? Um, which leads us on quite nicely to the British Masters, which um, we've seen for the last three years. It used to actually, the British Masters used to be one of the kind of mainstay events of the uh, European Tour schedule. Next to play at places like uh, the Belfry, Frost of Arden, um, Woburn. They used to play, but in fact, they used to play both the uh, tracks at Woburn at various points. But uh, uh, it dropped right off the schedule, which was um, given for such a prestigious event. It was a bit of a shame, really, and then they've. Uh, reinvigorated it um, three years ago when it went back to Woburn and, and it's with this um, this kind of uh, celebrity host status now, isn't it? So we've had uh, Brad Poulter, we've had uh, Luke Donald was at uh, the Grove, wasn't he, when we went down there. Is it confirmed that this tournament goes on for over from, from this year onwards? Have they come up with, have they stated that it's going on from 2019 and there's going to be played at X, Y and Z or is it all a bit... They, these were the original four, weren't they? So, yeah, they were, um, yeah. so Westwood was last year. Uh, Justin Rose is the host this year. Um, as to beyond this, I couldn't tell you. I know they've adopted the same um, idea with the Irish Open going forward. So mm. they're not all going to be Rory hosted. They're going to be hosted by different Irish, uh, Southern and Northern Irish uh, players over yeah. the next few years. And they're going to be taking them to various um, courses uh, over the... Over the over Ireland over the next few years, which will be interesting. But yeah, as to what they've done with this, um, I couldn't tell you offhand. But uh, it'd be a shame. That, if it but you'd hope, out. yeah, exactly. With the lack of action that we get over here in the UK, you'd yeah. hope that it sticks. No, absolutely. And you know, it seems to have gone down very well. You know, the Sky Sports sponsoring it and throwing uh, free tickets at the Thursday for the last few years, which they've done. And uh, you and I have taken advantage of that and uh, gone down and seen some of these courses, which is which has been nice. Um, yeah, it'd be a real shame to um, to knock that on the head, but we shall see. But yeah, this is Justin Rose's turn this year, so he's taken us to Walton Heath uh, in Surrey, um, and that's off the back. As I said, the first three winners um, or first three events: Fitzpatrick won at Woburn at thirty-three to one, Alex Noren won at the Grove at eighteen to one, and Paul Dunn is defending champion. He won at Close House last year at sixty-six to one. Um, Walton Heath. Uh, actually, it used to be uh, on the rotation for the European Open back in the day. So up between something like 1978 and 1991, it 
uh, was part of the rotation there was used uh, five times I think uh, but it's, it's a fairly tricky track if you look at the winning scores from those events back in the day um, minus five to minus eleven was the deepest that the scoring got for a par 72 which uh, suggests that it's not a pushover by any stretch of the imagination um, hosted the 2011 Senior Open as well which was won by Russ Cochran at 12 under and the 1981 Ryder Cup but when we tend to see this track um, or hear about it more often than not nowadays is when it's used for the US Open qualifying. They do sectional qualifying down there each year, um, which is well worth looking at. And in my preview, which will be out in the morning, I've linked to the last few years of um, sectional qualifying results, which is quite interesting because a fair number of this week's attendees have taken part in the sectional qualifying at Bolton Heath over the last few years. So where we've got a lack of current and recent course form in terms of uh, tournament play, we still have some indicators as to uh, the kind of players and those players who have gone well here over the last few years. And the track itself, 7,394 yard par 72. Slightly strange setup in that it's 12 par 4s, uh, 3 par 3s and 3 par 5s, so not your regular par 72 setup. Um, it's a Heathland track, uh, but it plays very links in. If you listen to any of the, uh, the interviews or read any of the transcripts from players who've played here in the past or know the course, they'll all refer to the linksy nature of the track. And again, I've put a flyover or a, a brief video on the on the preview, which uh, which you can check out from the links in the Podbean uh, uh, description which shows you the track itself and it is exposed um there's some trees there but it's you know largely exposed um heathland most of the uh, trouble comes from off the um off the fairways when you go into the heather um but it does look and feel very linksy big greens and uh, firm and fast is the idea the way that it's designed to be run um so We'll see how that plays this week. Obviously, we're getting quite in, quite late into the year over here in England. Um, and the greens will be a little bit more receptive than they would have been earlier in the year because it has rained since uh, since the dry spell in the summer. Um, we're expecting a little bit of rain over the weekend, actually, so that will put a bit, bit of a dampener on the weekend's play. But uh, other than that, it should uh, it should play really quite linksy, I think. It would be easy to to link it to Wentworth just for their physical location, and you know, as regular visitors to Wentworth, uh, we know that there's parts of that course that are very Surrey Heathland like. Yeah. Do you, Do you think it will play very similar, or do you think it's going to be a, a slightly different test, not quite as tight? It, well, off the tee, it won't be anywhere near as tight visually. Um, I think the the challenges in terms of veering off the fairway won't be that dissimilar. Um, instead of being blocked out by trees, you're going to find yourself in a thick heather that, that's going to cause uh, yeah. cause you challenges trying to trying to find the green. So yeah. I think the challenge from tee to green won't be dissimilar, but aesthetically, um, it's nowhere near as tight. I haven't been to Walton Hoof, actually. You know, you and I have been to... Uh, went with a number of times but um, this will be my first trip down to Walton Heath and just looking at the uh, the video it's, it shows you how different the track actually looks and as you say given the proximity to Wentworth you'd kind of almost lump them in the same uh, bracket but um, it's far uh, far more open it is linksy it's um, it's going to be a slightly different challenge visually yeah um, but yeah i think in terms of skill sets required and again to going back to the um the senior open that was played here in 2011 um the guys then it wasn't it didn't particularly lend itself to the longer hitters um it was more about hitting some you know a good proportion of fairways maximizing greens and regulation and i, I know we don't get the same level of depth of data on the european tour even the senior tour than you're doing the pga tour but I suspect that proximity was one of the key stats that week. And given the greens are one of the most challenging, if not the most challenging aspects of this track, then um, simply finding the green in regulation but being 60 or 70 feet away um, probably isn't going to help you a great deal because mm. three putts are going to be quite prevalent. Um, and the average putts from the, from the seniors when they played, it, there were some really quite... Um, nasty numbers they were putting together so there must have been an awful lot of three parts out there mm, okay 
So I expect it will still come down to um, positioning off the on the fairway, um, finding the right parts of greens, finding you know getting the proximity as tight as possible to the uh, to the flag, and then um, attacking that way. Um, but yeah, given the winning scores we've seen, and say minus five to minus eleven, that kind of bracket. And the fact that we're expecting um, wind speeds of around about 15, maybe up to 20 miles an hour for the Thursday and Friday. Um, and that's that's an average, so there's clearly going to be some stronger gusts as well. It should make it quite interesting. I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't think it's going to be a birdie fest. Uh, going back to the, the senior open again, which is really the only current data that we've got. Uh, Cochrane was the only player who uh, got more than 20 birdies um, over the course of the four days. So... Um, it's going to be a relatively challenging test, I think. And that kind of lends itself to a certain type of player. You know, it's the, some players can't and don't have the patience to, um, right, yeah. to to kind of stick around and make pars when, when the birdies are in short supply. It kind of tells you where Justin Rose comes from, doesn't it? Because we know he's that kind of player, patient. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and that, that, that goes way back to when he used to play as a U. Yeah, absolutely. High greens and regulation, you know, fairways, greens and regulation. You know, he's, he's always been adequately adequate putter on and Ben Power greens. These are actually quite um, quite power, they are Ben Power, but they're quite power heavy. There's certainly a higher proportion of power than Ben in here. Okay. So think um, before they relayed the Wentworth greens, they were getting uh, that kind of, they were going that kind of direction as well. So yep. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some correlation there between players who've played and putted well um, on higher density power greens in the past and, and those that, that get their heads around the putting challenges that are here this week. Um, looking at the betting, uh, it's no surprise really, Rose is the favourite around about 7-1. to one. You've got Francesco Molinari at 10-1, to one. Fleetwood at 10-1 to one as well. So those three are pretty much clear of the rest of the field in terms of the betting. Um, then you've got the likes of Matt Fitz, uh, Olsen's here, uh, Eddie Peppel, round about the twenty-five to thirty to one mark, and then you into the into the likes of Lucas, last week's winner, thirty-three, Shane Lowry. Lowry's interested. In, he's not been getting quite close enough to warrant um, a bet from me, but he's not a million miles away. And again, there's a bit of thirty-threes around for him as well. Twenty to Chris, one last week, wasn't he? Well, yeah, he's, he's priced prohibitively short for me. I can't, you know, mm, traditionally, yeah. You know, before before I see the prices, I'll, I'll get an idea of the kind of player that I think is going to go well. And you know, I, I can't dispute that Larry could go well here this week, but I I want more than that for a player that isn't really getting close to winning. If I'm going to take a chance on him, mm. uh, Chris Wood's another one. He's slightly longer this week. There's a little bit of forty to one around, but generally thirty threes. And again, if you look at the correlation between um, the old Wentworth greens and these ones, there's potentially something there. Um, but he's going to have to find a lot of greens in regulation if he's really going to contest this week. Um, Matt Wallace, you know, I've been on him an awful lot recently and um, he was joint leader after the first round last week so I was quietly hoping he was going to keep that going but his long game didn't... No, he fell away, didn't he? He did. You know, from the bits that... I know, watching the Dunhill links on the TV is painfully slow but uh, for the bits that I saw of him he was uh, it just seemed to be uh, his, his long game just seemed to be off which I don't think you're going to get away with around here um, you know I could be wrong but um, and he's been backed in from 45s so there's, there's not going to be a great deal of 45s left if any by the morning um, but um, I, it just doesn't feel right to me this week one player who's been backed in massively so far today is uh, Hao Tong Lee who's um, got a Got a decent bit of form in those qualifiers, and uh, yeah. you know if we if we liken it to a, a linksy test, we know that there's uh, some some links form from him because he finished third at the at the Open a year ago, didn't he? So there's there's some correlation there as well, and clearly some punters are picking up on this as well. He um, jumped he jumped out just looking at your analysis of guys that have clearly gone well within qualifying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Talking about qualifying, um, just looking at the last three years, um, this year just gone was uh, the the leading players at the end of qualifying were James Morrison and Andrew Beef Johnson. 
the year before Aaron Rye was the uh, was lead or he he led the uh, qualifying from Haotong League. That was the year that Lee did well. Uh, Gregory Bordy the the year before, and if you look at the likes of Rye Bordy Johnson, they're generally um, good tee to green exponents. They're not particularly long off the tee. Um, they're just neat and tidy players. You've also got players of the likes of Matt, Matt Southgate. He did well last oh, this this year. Just gone Ryan Fox. Both of those came through sectional qualifying here. Um, so again, that kind of linksy angle. And with those two guys, tells a story as well. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. so yeah, for me, I think it's you know some someone who is has got the right mindset, the kind of grinding mindset potentially, um, has some some links form, has some links heritage. Um, if they've done well on sectional qualifying for this in the past, then then great. It's not not the be all and end all. Some some players won't have played it, of course, but um, uh, that feels like a positive indicator for me. Um, I think there's a few things we can grab onto uh, with this uh, this week. Um, still relatively early in my thought process, but I have backed three players today, um, and they are Padre P- Harrington, who I backed last week, finished seventh, sixty-six to one. I've got on um, Paddy earlier today, and again, you know, I said at the top of the show. Bogey-free, 69, in tough conditions at St Andrews on Sunday. Um, and when he does work, it tends to be these uh, events where there are big greens. He can play recovery shots onto these big greens and still salvage a par or make a birdie, potentially, um, get himself back into you know, a positive frame of mind. You know, Clearly, we know about his links pedigree. There's, 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 there's no way to... No, no need to kind of go into that with him. Um, but his last four events, he's finished second, second, fifth, miscut seventh. Um, and again, he was over 80% at greens in regulation last week. Um, I highlighted his GIR stats last week in the preview. And, um, you know, his greens, his, his, his irons are absolutely spot on at the moment in general. So um, I didn't see any reason to drop him from the team this week, I must say. His GIR number last week was okay, wasn't it? Yes, I say yeah, eighth in the field, um, eighty point six, I think it was something like that. Mm. So uh, I thought he was well worth having another go on. Um, Absolutely, yeah, I get that. Um, Beef Johnson, I backed as well, eighty to one. Um, I said he won the qualifier here this year, or he was the joint leader um, at the end of the, the two rounds, 10 under, he shot over two rounds. Um, with the qualifier, they play one at the old course, one at the new course, so only 18 of the 36 is actually on this um, track that they're playing this week. Um, but uh, clearly they're side by side and uh, you know share a lot of similar characteristics. Um, so he won the qualifier this year, ninth in the qualifier in 2017, fourth in the qualifier in 2016. Clearly gets on very well with the track. Um, he's showing some bits of form. He closed with 67 in Portugal on his last start. He was 10th in the Nordea Masters. And again, I think if there's tougher tracks, tougher tests are the kind of thing that that uh, really suit him down to the ground. Clearly a winner at uh, Valderrama a couple of years ago. He's de- not defending, but he's uh, anniversarying that win next week. Bio rhythms. Bio rhythms. Bio rhythms, absolutely. Um, and uh, he's taking it seriously, Beef. Um, he's, he's in the gym, he's doing a lot of weights. He's trying to get himself into um, the kind of shape where he can contest and contend with some of the big boys in world golf and uh, good luck to him. But I, I thought given the, the nature of the track and um, how well he's played around these parts in the past, that 80 to one was a fair price for him. And the final one I've backed is Lee Slattery. Um, and again, he's got some decent form on this uh, on the qualifiers here. He was third in 2016, uh, 14th this year, just gone, just missed out on the qualifying. Uh, but in recent weeks, 10th at the Nordea Masters, 4th at the Czech Masters, 20th last week. And critically, last week, he was 3rd for driving accuracy and 1st for greens and regulation over the course of the whole, or over the whole field. So um, his long game looks like it's in decent shape as well. And there's just little pockets of form with him here and there. And when he does play well, he does tend to keep his form for a few weeks. Yeah, he does, um, yeah. 175 to 1, I thought, was more than a fair price for Lee Slattery this week. 
Um, I'll make a final decision on some other players. Jason Scriven is another one I'm looking at quite closely. Um, Eduardo Molinari is one that I think could surprise. Um, he's at a long, long price as well. Well over 200 to one with most bookies. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a nice little bounce from his brother's performance over the last uh, last few Wasn't weeks. Wasn't he contending last week? Yeah, he's seventh going into Sunday, something like that. He was he was in decent shape. He, he, I think he shot seventy five or something. Relatively poor on Sunday, but um, if you go back to when he won in twenty seventeen, it was at the um, it was Morocco, I think, wasn't it? And he'd done yeah. nothing. He'd been really poor, and then he produced a, a, a decent performance the week before. I forget exactly where it was. I think he finished eleventh, twelfth, something like that. Um, and then, uh, then kind of seemingly out of the blue, at, at, you know, a massive price um, gets the job done at the, uh, the Hassan Der Trophy. And uh, yeah, as you say, he showed a bit of form last week. He was in decent shape. So um, going to going to this track, um, it's, he's catching up with his brother since for the first time since um, since the Ryder Cup. Um, you know, would there be a nice little bit of positivity flowing through the Molinari camp? Yeah, quite possibly. And um, he could well be the one that I add to my team in the morning, actually. So it seems and like you're going, you're going for some nice value prices, yeah? Yeah, I, I think if you, you could look at the top of the market and um, could I pick between a Justin Rose and a, a Francesco Molinari and a Tommy Fleetwood? You know, all the three guys could all win it. Of course they could. And could, I, I don't think you can construct a, a coherent staking plan that includes um, more than one of those guys um, I don't think you can go each way on more than one of those guys or, or any of those guys I think it's prohibitively too short so if you un- unless you're going to play further down the, the, the market like I am I think you, you'd probably have to pick one of them and put all your you know virtually all your eggs in one basket and I, I, that doesn't interest me so um, let's try and try and make some uh, money um, going a bit further down the uh, further down the list I think but yeah, that's kind of where I am at at the moment. We'll see how that pans out with my final selections in the morning. When when are you picking me up on Thursday morning? Before <laughs> <laughs> off, off the floor after you've looked at the leaderboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we'll be down at um, at uh, Walton Heath on Thursday. So if you see us milling around the bar area, then pop over and uh, and, and join us for a beer. Yeah, gee, if you want to see what we look like, although clearly I, I'm on the uh, golf betting show each week on YouTube. So as I said at the top of the show, give me a subscribe. Um, Paul is available. Uh, you can see uh, you can see his visuals on our website, golfbettingsystem.co.uk, or on his Twitter handle. But if you do see us down at Walton Heath for the half an hour that we're actually walking the course, not in the bar, um, come and say hello. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. It looks like it's going to be a decent day. On yeah, Thursday. the weather looks great, doesn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah, a bit, bit, a uh, bit soggy over the weekend potentially, but Thursday, Friday should be good. So uh, I do really like the sound of Harrington and Beef Johnson because you've been talking about beef for a, you know a lot of lot of times this season, and it's all about finding a course with him where it's mm. prohibitively difficult. Uh, relatively for the the field, and this yeah. this feels like it's his. You know, we know he's high GIR, and we know that anything kind of around that sub ten under mark, uh, ten twelve under, or even you know higher scoring than that, is perfect for him. That's right, right in his wheelhouse. Wheelhouse, it? yeah. That's exactly where he likes. Last time I backed him was um, at the Indian Open, where he mm. lost in a playoff to Matt Wallace. Yeah, um, that was the one Grio was, was winning, wasn't it? And then he yeah. he let me down again badly, Mister Perfect Stats Man Emiliano mm. Grio last week. Ah, oh, he's a frustrating character, that chap. Mm. But yeah, yeah, what was the winning score there in India? It wasn't. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, no. Off the top of my head, I'd say eleven under. It, it's it's a, that's it, a real nasty golf course, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's 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 very strong correlation to this and. That you know, again, that kind of points me in the direction of Matt Wallace. Um, but again, I've got to bear in mind what I saw of his game last week, and you know, Tita Green. I don't think he can get away with what he was attempting to get away with last week. So, you know, I may regret that. I'll, I think I'll steer clear. But with Beef, I think the the game and the the kind of uh, the 
approach that's required to to get around a track that is going to be quite challenging um i think is is right up his alley so fingers crossed cool well we're looking forward to it i'm sure plenty of listeners are it's always good to have uh, a tournament here in the united kingdom down here in the london area so we're we're looking forward to going to that paul thank you very much for your time much appreciate much yeah, much best, appreciate best of luck this week Steve. yeah thank you i know next week you've got and, and to you i know next week you've got the um sergio garcia three to one favorite event down at valderrama <laughs> valderrama yeah yeah you'll be doing everything you can not to tip him and yeah, won't. although as a betting heat, it's a nice betting heat because there's a fair amount to grab onto in terms of course history and also the again the the kind of player that does tend to uh, get on with that kind of challenging track. So yeah, and also it's deep into get uh, with the one one five, isn't it for car, card card yeah, retention? Yeah. Needs must. Yeah, and next week we've got on the PJ tour the KJ Cup. Which a CJ just, Cup, yeah. CJ Cup, sorry, which Justin Thomas won last year from Mark Leishman in a playoff. So two decent events next week. Uh, thank you for your time, listeners. Again, um, of course, if you could uh, give us a score on uh, iTunes, that'd be much appreciated. And uh, it's just good that uh, the weekly content that we're putting out there, especially this podcast, is well received from you guys. So uh, give us a follow and uh, give us a message if you're enjoying what you're listening to. Right, thank you. Good evening, Paul. Cheers, take care. And we will see you all again next week. Good night. Cheers.